my job is not to create a product anymore. My job is to create a team that is going to create the product. So you need to be ready to be less focused on the product and more focused on building the team that builds the product. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to another live edition of the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, uh, Alex Sumer, CEO, founder of SaaStock. Uh, we are at SaaStock 2023 in Dublin, day one, and I am joined by uh, Lucy Boisson. Buisson. Buisson, okay. <laughs> uh, who is the Chief Product Officer at Content Square. Uh, welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. No, great, great to have you. And as we were saying before uh, we kind of kicked off, you've literally just flown in from New York. Uh, and but the adrenaline is uh, keeping you going. Very high. Very high. Good, good, good. High on Sastock uh, drugs, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not really. No, the energy not, yeah, of the, the energy. event is really That's good. It. Yeah, good, good, good. No, it def definitely helps. It definitely helps. And uh, you spoke uh, earlier today. Um, uh, what did you speak about? What was the uh, what was the topic? We talked about uh, multi product strategy yeah. and uh, how to start building. Uh, why uh, why starting building a multi product strategy? When to start and etc. Yeah. And I think one of the main point we were making is like multi product strategy is maybe one of the most sustainable way you have to grow you yeah. know yeah. because if you sell to your customer your cost of acquisition is yeah. much lower yeah. than brand new customer yeah. and with like a increased pressure uh, pressure sorry on every one of us uh, to be more profitable yeah. and uh, I think it's like it's it's becoming a more and more interesting uh, strategy, you know. So uh, I, I guess selfish question for me, like in terms of like when do you start? Because like SaaS stock, we're we're eight years old. We sort of lost two years to COVID, but you, you know we're, we're eight years old as a business. Our main uh, product is we're in it. You, yeah, you know yeah. the conference in, in Dublin, um, and we launched a second product actually, sort of like due, like towards the end of COVID, which is our memberships product, uh, and. You know, we do. Whilst it's going well, there are complexities in, uh, I guess, having a second product. The team initially being really kind of focused on events. Now we've got a different service and a different product. Uh, getting the resource, you, you know, like how do we do that? You, you know, who do we hire first within the team? And like, you know, is it marketing to build up the leads, etc. So definitely there've been some challenges. And like wondering, like you, you know. Uh, like, how do you solve, maybe solve some of the challenges? But also, like, you talked to, uh, or you mentioned a little bit about, what, like, when is the right time? It's something that you probably yeah. spoke about. And so when, when is the right time? Do you, do, you, do you think, certainly as a SaaS company, that you have to be at a certain ARR to bring in product number two? Um, yeah. Yeah, completely. And I think uh, you're completely right. I think it's a question of ARR for me. It's a really a question of uh, market fit also. Yeah. Yeah. You need to make sure that your first product is generating traction and mm -hmm. retaining customer and like that you have validation from the market yeah. on this product is actually solving a real need. Yeah. And your customer love using it and yeah. they are staying with you. Because if you try to create a second product without having prove, proven the value on the first product, yeah. now 
it's like you are trying to fight uh, on two battlegrounds at the same time, and it's yeah. it's too too tough, you know. Yeah, 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 no, 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 for sure. And so, tell us about like, how like Content Square did it then. Yeah. Uh, so, what was the ARR for Content Square for product number two? What was product number two? Obviously, you said your customers must have told you they they wanted it. Um, and it also, maybe, and this is probably sort of later, I mean, sometimes, that, sometimes you actually acquire that product yes, as well. Yes, exactly. And so yes. Hotjar was uh, a, a, a company that you acquired. Yes. But what product number was that? So a few yeah. questions there. Sorry yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, so for Content Square, it was, uh, Content Square is uh, 12 years now. Yeah. I've been with the company 10 years. Okay. Uh, and when I started is when uh, we were having our first uh, self-service uh, offer. Because initially, Content Square was already creating in its own product, collecting yeah. data. Yeah. Uh, we are on a, a digital experience analytics platform for, yeah. for those who don't know. Yeah. And, um, but we were doing mainly consulting for our customer. So when I started is when we started having like self-serve customer. And the three first year were really about how do you go from a product that is used only by your own data analyst to make ad hoc analysis and ad hoc recommendation to a product that can be used by practitioner, you know, and that uh, you can use on a daily, on a weekly basis instead of uh, once uh, once a year or twice a year to create a roadmap. So three first year we are, re we are really about creating the product market fit, and then we started the geographical expansion. And uh, this is when we had our first uh, big round of founding. Uh, and we opened our office in the UK and then in the US. And the second product came from that geographical expansion. Okay. Because when we arrived in the US, we realized that the market was um, has been educated a bit differently. And that the use case that we've been developing in France and in Europe were not the same in the US, you know? Like uh, on our side, it was more about journey mapping and heat mapping to understand where your customers are interacting. And in the US, it was much more around identifying errors, identifying uh, performance issues, so more on the technical side, you know? So we started to develop this new product, and it was pretty interesting because com US-based competition was more advanced than us on those new use cases, you know? But we were more, much more advanced than them on what were our initial use cases. So then it goes back to a question you asked me a little bit later, which is how do you create the right focus in order to develop those new use cases? Yeah. And also, how do you create the right expertise, right? Because for us, it's the same than for you. Like creating, like, it's not the same skills you need uh, to produce a podcast and to produce an event and to create a membership, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So for us, it was the same, you know, it's, a, it's not the same skills to be able to build a product for marketers than uh, to build a product for uh, more technical teams. Yeah. So there is a huge part, which is um, building the right team, getting the right skills in, but also setting the right direction for your team. Uh, an example I was sharing this morning is at Content Square, like the product team is evaluated uh, against weekly active users. So our North Star metric is weekly active user. And um, if you say to the team, tell me about the best opportunity to improve weekly active user, most of the things they're gonna do is on your product number one. Because this is where you have the most user, and so this is where you have the biggest potential of growth. So if you want them to focus on new use case, 
it's not rocket science, but you have to tell them, I want you to grow weekly active user on this, for this specific persona. So in our case, I want to have more weekly active user in the tech team. I don't care about growing the marketing weekly active user. Mm -hmm. And by giving this kind of guidance, you start shifting the focus and the prioritization of the team. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And so, so product number two came in. Uh, I don't know what you can share in terms of like sort of date, like how the company looked or the revenue line looked. But as you introduced product number two, you, you know, was there some sort of like inflection point where we say, okay, well, we are doing like 20 million a year at you know 20% yeah, year yeah. over year growth rate, and then all of a sudden we're doing 40, 50, we're growing faster. I think um, I'm going to speak directionally because I don't remember the exact sure. number, but I would say that when we opened the UK office and the US office. We were maybe at like um, 30k, uh, sorry, 30, 30 million yeah. of ARR. Uh, then uh, our one of our first acquisition was Clicktail, okay. which was one of our competitors. Yeah. And but they were like much more. Uh, they have a much bigger penetration in the US. Yeah. So we acquired them in order to increase our US penetration. Yeah. And I think at the end of that year, we were maybe. We were closer to 100 million, okay. and this is when we launched the second product because yeah. we needed that product to be successful in the US. Yeah. And then the second product that is more technical, we did an acquisition with a company named Darboost yeah. in order to buy an additional use cases that our competition were not having. You know, so. And where I'm going with that is I think what was interesting is like you can have uh, your new products that can be a mix of. Um, things that you are organically building and things that you are acquiring, you know, like our fine and fixed product, which is the second one, half of it, we did it in-house or 70% we did it in-house and 30% we bought it, we bought. What about in, in terms of getting to that second product, uh, maybe some of the biggest issues that you, you had and faced that you, you can kind of remember uh, uh, around that, like whether the mistakes or whatever, uh, but that obviously have been so rectified since then. But what are the mistakes maybe that were made and lessons learned from that? Yeah, sure. So I think um, <clears throat> for me, the biggest lesson learned is uh, you need to start small. Mm -hmm. So when you are launching this new, the, your second product, like uh, people know you already, uh, like your customers, they have like a quite high expectation in terms of quality. So you are not a startup anymore. You are not a mini company anymore. Mm -hmm. So you can't afford uh, iterating or like not having your values that is named with too many customers. So really important to go through an alpha, a beta, and a progressive deployment phase. So let's say in your alpha phase, you're going to have internal customers using it. And then in your beta phase, you're going to have maybe five or 10 customers that love innovation, they are early adopters, and what you're fixing for them is so important that if your product is not perfect, they don't care. Yeah. And you learn from them, you upgrade the product, you continue building on the product thanks to their feedback. Yeah. And once you have that validation that yes, they would buy it and it's a, there is a real need, you start having maybe 50 or 100 customers if you're enterprise and maybe 1,000 or 5,000 if you are like product that grows. And you continue learning and this time you have data to learn. And so you can validate another phase. And now you know how to pitch it, you know how to onboard your customer and you are sure of your value, and you can go full speed on uh, deploying your product. 
Obviously, I, I can't talk to a, a chief product officer without talking about AI. You <laughs> right? knew it was going to come at some point. Uh, and obviously, it's a big, big theme this year and at SaaS stock. Uh, with, with an established, I would say, mature company uh, such as Content Square, how are you bringing AI you know, in, into the company? What are... What, what's your way? What, what are the, again the, like the challenges that, that you have there being this kind of mature company rather than I'm building today the startup and it's just going to be AI native yeah. that you would hope? But yeah, yeah talk to no, us about that. I think it's a very good question and uh, I like, I see where you're going with this question and I think this is so important, you know, because if you look at generative AI, it's not yet perfect. Yeah, yes, it has hallucination. Yes, it's not always the right answer and etc. But at the end of the day, people who know how to use it are going to be a hundred times more efficient than people that doesn't know how to use it. And if you don't practice and you don't train yourself into using it, you will never be good at it, you know? And um, someone shared this analogy with me, and I think it's very, very true. Uh, we can look at GenAI as a calculator, you know? It's not because we introduced calculators that we stopped learning math mm -hmm. and we become much better at math and we went way, way much further into understanding math since we have the calculator. But if you don't know how to use a calculator, you are on the side of uh, that doesn't know how to do math at all, mm -hmm. you know? So the way we're doing it at Content Square is we created a team, um, we created a task force that was dedicated to evaluate uh, all the use cases possible, you know, because we can use generative AI within our own product to help our customer, mm -hmm. but we can also use it into our confluence pages uh, to get faster answer. Mm -hmm. uh, you can use it also, like, SDR team can use it to send better email, you know. Yep. So there are so many use cases that you can get. So our approach was instead of trying to train every single people at Content Square, uh, that would be expensive uh, and, and not really efficient. Let's have a task force. Let's identify the um, most interesting use cases for us, the ones that really add value because you want to avoid using uh, Gen AI just for everything because it has a price. And, and then once we have identified a use case and proved the value of that use case, deploy it uh, with more people in the organization. Does that make sense? Makes sense, makes sense. I'm going to give you two more questions from me, and then if anyone in the audience does have a question, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go with two questions from the audience if, uh, if, if there's anything. So uh, I guess as Chief Product Officer, you're at the top of uh, the product uh, career ladder. Um, what advice would you have in terms of like how you got there and for others that may be kind of you know, thinking of uh, they're on that, that career path and uh, getting to, to chief, uh, chief Product Officer? Um, like I can speak about my own experience, yeah. but I don't. I don't know if it's like uh, the general case. You know, I started like I started on the customer success side at Content Square, and at that time we did not have a product team, and our te uh, tech leader, our CTO, convinced mm -hmm. our CEO and founder that they needed someone in between, yeah. and they just asked me if I wanted to do that product role, and I said yes. So, and I didn't know what was product at that time. I didn't know the difference between CSS and HTML. So I think product is such a new job that uh, you should not be afraid or ashamed of going into product, you know? If you love customer and if you love complex problem and if you like technology, you're gonna thrive in product. 
So I would really say uh, take any opportunity. And in terms of if you, if you already are a product manager mm -hmm. and you want to become a product leader, I think the main switch you have to do is uh, to realize that my job is not to create a product anymore. My job is to create a team that is going to create a product. So you need to be ready to be less focused on the product and more focused on building the teams that build the product, you know? And at the end of the day, it's not the same job. So um, I would say that my job is amazing. I love it. I love building organization and I love the strategy part in it. But sometimes I miss being an IC also, you know, and being a product manager, creating value on a daily basis. Yeah. So I would say that product manager career can be amazing as an IC also, and we should not always try to reach for management position. You yeah, see what yeah. I mean? I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, any questions for, for Lucy? Anyone got a specific question? Let me check. You have one at the front. I'm just going to get up. Uh, tell, just say your name and then your question. Oh, hi, I'm, I'm Helen. Um, I just would love to hear your perspective on how you think product and marketing can and should work best together. Uh, so I think this is a million dollar question. <laughs> now, I think this is extremely important. And um, our, we said like our product at Content Square is to help our customer create better experience. And what we're saying is that to create better experience, you need to enable the quartet. And what we call the quartet is marketing, product, design, and tech all together, you know? It's building on top of the product trio because I think it's essential to have marketing into the loop, you know? If you have a product team on one side and a marketing team on the other side and both teams are not uh, aligned on how to create value for customer, it's a disaster because if, uh, as a customer, if you are being attracted with one value prop and then you start interacting with the product and you see another value prop, it's a nightmare, you know? It's not efficient for the customer, it's really deceptive. So I think it's extremely important, and, um, but it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to achieve. Uh, our, like, uh, our CMO is my, we come to a point where we now, we are partnering crime but I would say that at the beginning, because product management and marketing job are changing so much, it's really about sitting down and saying, okay, this is your scope, this is my scope, how we can collaborate. And I would say that there is no one size fit all. And it's really about sitting down with your marketing leader or your product leader and really like uh, without any ego thinking of how we can best contribute to the company mission. Awesome. Thanks so much. I think with that, uh, we'll come to the end of the show and, uh, and the podcast. And, and thank you so much, uh, Lucy, thank you so much. for being a great guest. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.